I think just try to, to try to imagine this, this scene, the transfiguration. It's, it's hard to imagine because, you know, Jesus appeared to be just like, just like any other man. He appeared to be that way. And, and yet it says that his clothing became dazzling white. In Matthew's version of the transfiguration, it says that his face shone like the sun. So when we talk about the transfiguration, we just think, what? It's, it's amazing in some ways. Uh, and it's, even for the, for the, the, the disciples, um, you know, they hadn't seen Jesus like this before. They'd seen him perform miracles. You know, they, they saw him like cast out demons. They had seen him cure, cure people who were very ill or who were uh, on stretchers. They had seen him speak and, and people could, could be convicted by the word. They had heard him preach the message of repentance. They had heard him talk about his mission as the Messiah, all these different things, but you know, they hadn't seen him like this before. It's, it's just amazing. So to, to try to put it in your mind, and I, I love this. Uh, so Peter, John, and James, you know, they're up the mountain and they see this and it's just like, what in the world? And then at the end, I, I, they fell silent and did not at that time tell anyone what they had seen. So then you can try to imagine, you know, when did they tell them about it for the first time? I was sort of thinking out loud during the last Mass, and I was, I was thinking, you know, maybe after Jesus ascended into heaven, so the disciples saw him, you know, kind of float up into the sky, and then they go into the upper room and they just pray, because that's what Jesus says to do. Just go and wait, and you will receive power from on high. So you can imagine them praying. They're in there for 10 days, and... You can just sort of imagine them praying, of course, because that's what he said to do, but then also sort of reminiscing and, and remembering Jesus. And, and as they're talking, Peter just sort of said, oh my gosh, that's right. This, there was this time. It was so crazy. It was just Peter, James, and John. Uh, it was James, John, and I. Right? Peter's talking. And, and he, he brought us up this mountain, and it was so amazing. His face just started shining and his clothes like it was we had never seen it and we've never seen anything like this before and then and then these two guys Moses and Elijah and I don't know I don't know how how I knew that they were Moses and Elijah but I just knew and and I just started talking I didn't really know what I was saying but I just I felt like I want to stay here forever so I just I offered to build some tents, and then they disappeared, you know, but there was this cloud, and from the cloud, this voice that said, this is my son, listen to him, and then it was all over. Just to, to like, the, the, the sort of reminiscing in their hearts of this incredible moment where Jesus is revealed to them in a new way. And it's not just Jesus, but it's, it's his glory. Like, we're not just following some guy who can do amazing things, but we're following some guy who apparently underneath the surface glows and, and radiates light. And who, who somebody from heaven speaks to him. You know, it's just like this amazing thing. And so, so to like, Try to let yourself get caught up in that, you know, like, this is, oh man, I want to see this, you know? Because this is, this is the thing. 
St. Paul, in our second reading, he talks about this. Except he talks about it maybe in an unexpected way. Listen again to the, the second part of our reading. He says, Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we also await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will change our lowly body to conform with his glorified body by the power that enables him also to bring all things into subjection to himself. Did you hear that? We don't fully understand this, but somehow, Jesus, by the power that is within him, is going to change our bodies to become like his. This is, the, this is what it is. To be, to be called to follow Jesus is not, is not merely, right? It's not only to sort of follow his ways and, and to do what he says, but there's this additional part that just makes it unbelievable in some ways. To follow Jesus is to believe that you and I are meant to become glorious like him. It is to believe that when he comes again and all of the, the faithful rise from the dead, that we will have bodies and that our bodies somehow will radiate dazzling light, shining like the sun, somehow. It's, it's incredible if you really allow yourself to think about it. And I, the question that I have is just like, what if it's true? Like, what, what if it's true that this is our call? Can you think of anything that's more marvelous than this? Anything that's more incredible than, like, and so therefore anything that you might look forward to more than this, I, I can't think of anything. That my call from Jesus to follow him is to become like him. Where it won't only be Jesus shining like the sun. Yes, he will always be God and he will always be the one that we need to direct our worship toward. But at the same time, somehow by the mystery of his grace, by the mystery of his plan, it will also be me shining like the sun and you shining like the sun. It's just, it's incredible. Can, can you, like, let yourself be captured by this? You know, like, to be caught in, in awe and wonder. Like, who are you? Who am I that God wants this for us so much? It's amazing. It, it, I, I guess, like, if you, can't, if you can't let yourself be caught in wonder, then maybe just take a step back and just sort of ask the question, do I believe this? And if you don't, that's okay. I'm going to say this line over and over again. Lent is a time for us to come before the Lord in naked honesty. And if we're struggling to believe it, to be able to say that, I'm not sure, Lord. And I need your help. But let's say that we believe this. Praise the Lord. There's sort of an, another part that we need to talk about that comes right before St. Paul talks about how the Lord Jesus is going to change our bodies. He comes with a warning. Listen to this again. For many, as I have often told you and now tell you, even in tears, conduct themselves as enemies of the cross of Christ. 
Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their minds are occupied with earthly things. In other words, what St. Paul is saying is that it's actually possible for us to miss out on receiving this incredible gift. And it's not just St. Paul. Jesus says the same thing in the Gospel of Matthew. Toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says this, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Can you hear this warning from the Lord, from St. Paul, who's inspired by the Holy Spirit? That we, yes, absolutely, we, we see and, and, and hear this promise from the Lord, and we keep it in front of us always. But at the same time, in naked honesty before the Lord, during this season of Lent, we have to hear the warning that it's actually possible for us. Jesus says, many find the way to destruction. And during the last Mass, as, as this reading was, was being proclaimed, something that caught my attention was this. Uh, when St. Paul says this, For many, as I have often told you, and now tell you even in tears. I was just thinking about this. St. Paul's writing this letter to this group of Christians that he helped to form. And he's writing to them, and he says, Even in tears, I tell you that some conduct themselves as enemies of the cross. He has in his mind, not just like strangers out there, he has in his mind people that he loves and cares for so deeply. And so he says, in tears, I tell you, that there are some who go the way of destruction. And the things that they think they glory in will actually lead to their shame. So now, brothers and sisters, the next, the next question is the same as, as the first one. What if it's true? What if it's true that it is possible for you? What if it's true that it's possible for me to miss out on this incredible promise from the Lord? Can you let yourself be captured by this question? And again, if you can't, if you just sort of think like, wow, I don't think it's true, or I don't really see what the big deal is, that's okay. Come before the Lord in naked honesty and say to him, Lord, I, I believe this, but your word says otherwise. Your divinely inspired word says otherwise, and so I need your help that maybe I don't understand sin fully, maybe I don't understand you fully, maybe I don't understand your ways, maybe I don't understand who you want me to be fully. Jesus, I just want to come before you and ask for your help. Now again, let's say you can, you can get behind this and say, okay, I, I hear this. I hear the promise and I want it. And I hear the warning and I want to avoid it. What do I do? How do I do this? Well, the good news is that St. Paul talks about this. What does he say? Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their minds are occupied with earthly things. And so the question now becomes, 
What is it that occupies your mind? What is it that occupies my mind? What is it that consumes you and your attention? For some of us, we're always thinking of the things of the Lord. And if that's you, praise God. Pray for the rest of us. And I'm included in the rest of us. For those of us who have to acknowledge again in naked honesty before the Lord, sometimes I think about earthly things. For me, I have to say, actually, a lot of times I think about earthly things and I forget about what God has done in the person of Jesus. Or sometimes I might even remember and I don't care. For those of us, we need to dive a little bit deeper and just sort of investigate what is it to be as specific as we can so that again, when we come before the Lord at this altar in naked honesty, we can show to him those things that sometimes at least we let take more prominence in our hearts and in our minds than we allow him to take. So I'm going to read a list of things. And let me tell you, as I read them, I myself am terrified because I see in them a number of things that occupy my mind. And if they occupy my mind, these earthly things, then that means I am, whenever I allow those things to consume me, I am going the way that leads to destruction. And if you allow those things to occupy your mind and consume you, you are going the way that leads to destruction. Now again, this is, this is a challenging thing, of course, right? What is Lent without a good challenge? A challenging thing. And one thing that we have to remember, of course, is that Jesus is always merciful. That he dies on the cross so that he can save us from our sins. So that he can save us from our earthly attachments. Absolutely. But at the same time, brothers and sisters, his death on the cross is meant to have an effect on us. In other words, his death on the cross is actually supposed to help us become free from our attachments. So if we have earthly attachments and we cling to them, that means that Jesus Christ has died for you in vain. And that's a tragedy. And again, I am included in that just as much. So what are some possible earthly thoughts that can consume us? I think one of the first things we have to say is that sometimes the thing that can consume our thoughts the most is our favorite sports team. And I know this to be the case because sitting in the sacristy, I heard them talking about sports before mass. During football season, we have to admit, some of us, that the thing that occupies our mind the most is the Vikings. And whether we really love or hate Kirk Cousins, well, we can laugh about it because it's silly, but we laugh also because it's like, yeah, it's, that's true, actually. I spend more time on Sunday thinking about what I think about Kirk Cousins than I do in worshiping God. Can you see that that's a problem? That's something that needs to be brought before the Lord and to say to him in naked honesty, Jesus, I love the Vikings more than I love you sometimes. And I need you by your power to set me free from that because I don't want to. For some of us, we have to admit that our politics are the most important thing in our lives. 
For some of us, we have to admit that we cling more closely to the Republican or the Democrat Party than we do to the gospel of Jesus Christ. For some of us, we have to admit that hatred for Donald Trump or Joe Biden consumes us more than love for Jesus Christ does. And so we find ourselves saying things like, I could never forgive that man. I could never pray for that man. And so in naked honesty, we have to come before the Lord and we have to say, Jesus, I don't know if I can let go of this, but by your power, I can. For others of us, we have a strong need for control that we just get so upset if we can't control our lives or if we can't control the lives of the people around us and the decisions that they make. And so that begins to consume us and all we can think about is making decisions for them or, or choosing things for ourselves or if something comes our way that's unexpected, it just rattles us and I'm in this category for sure. For others of us, we have such a strong desire for pleasure that we can't help but notice when we feel uncomfortable and if we feel uncomfortable, we can't rest until we do feel comfortable. If I come into the church and the church is too cold, I can't help but complain about it. If I come into the church and the church is too hot, I can't help but complain about it. If I, if I lay on my bed and, and it's an uncomfortable bed, I can't rest until I get a new bed that's the most comfortable thing I can find. Right? I have such a strong desire for pleasure that I can't rest until I feel comfortable. And so I need to come before the Lord and say, Jesus, set me free from this. For some of us, it's, it's our, our, our need for our family to have success, our need for our kids to be successful, to be healthy, uh, to be doing the things that they need to do. And so we can't rest until we know for sure that our kids are in the right spot doing the right things. For others of us, it's our own physical health. And so if I'm unhealthy or if there's a risk of me being physically unhealthy, I just can't rest until I set up all the barriers possible so that I can never, ever get sick. And these things that I'm talking about, you guys, like they're not necessarily bad in and of themselves. It's not bad to desire physical health. It's not bad to like sports. It's not bad to be interested in politics. It's not bad to appreciate having enough money in your account. But if these things consume you, that is incredibly problematic. If you let these things weigh you down, rather than letting the love of Jesus lift you up, then you're actually in a really bad place. And so am I. And so in naked honesty, we come before the Lord and we say to you, Jesus, we say Jesus. I have all of these things, the things that are mentioned, maybe examples I can think of in my own life. Jesus, I have all of these things, and I am so attached to them, and I can't seem to break free. And so Jesus, in your name, your holy and powerful name, Jesus, the power that allowed you to conquer sin and death, 
the power, Jesus, that allowed you to shine brightly on that holy mountain. The power, Jesus, that has enabled so many saints in the last 2,000 years to set their eyes on you and to be steadfast in you. By that power, Jesus, I come before you and I ask you to break these chains, to set me free so that I can truly love you as you ask me to, to love you with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all of my soul, and with all of my strength. Because Jesus, I want that so badly. And I'm sick of those times when I choose not to want it. Jesus, I beg for your freedom so that I don't care whether I get to watch the game or not, so that I don't care who is the president, so that I don't care how much money I have in my bank account, so I don't care whether I'm healthy or sick. Jesus, the one thing that I want to care about is my love for you, my love and my fidelity for you. Give me that gift, Jesus, because it is the only gift that matters.